Gary Saar. Um, welcome to Finn Wilson and Jane Millett from Impact Wales. Welcome to the Evidence-Based Education podcast. Thank you, Kate. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Yeah, fantastic to talk to you because I have been a, a fan of your work. I'm going to talk about your work, but I'm originally from Wales. I mean, excuse the pun, but the impact that you have there <laughs> has been really, it's been amazing. There's been nothing like that in Wales. But now the impact's gone beyond Wales, definitely going further afield. So the first question um, that I have for you both, um, and this will really just help our listeners, is can you just tell us a little bit about your your background in education? And then we'll discuss about what your roles are at Impact Wales. So should I hand over to you, Jane? Yeah, you kick off, Jane. You tell the people. I've got a very traditional route. I'm a former teacher, so I, I taught for 25 years. Um, in schools in London and Cardiff, uh, mathematics teacher, but I've also done senior leadership roles, assistant head teacher, um, as as part of that. So, um, and then I left when my school closed. I left to work on a Welsh government contract, which is when I met Finn. Indeed. So my background is very different. I think that's probably why we're such yeah. a good complement for each other. In, sure, um, in we are. Yeah. So I'm a former English teacher mm-hmm. um, and I started my teaching career actually teaching English as a foreign language in Greece. I lived in Greece for a few years and then um, I taught English, but I did English uh, linguistics and I taught A-level language as well as literature, but I've taught like six-year-olds right up to A-level and adults um, and I also have had kind of like a second career. I was a, a UK athletics endurance coach and a coach education tutor. So I was kind of teacher trainer for coaches. Um, so kind of running was my background. So I had a, like a, another career in sport, which I think there's a lot of um, connections between um, good teaching and sports mm-hmm. coaching. So it's been, really, yeah, it's been really useful to us. But then I went back into teaching mm-hmm. and um, then ended up in the same uh, Welsh government contract as Jane, and then. But yeah. quite weirdly, we we recognised, well, we realised after we started working together that we were both at schools of uni <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> which oh, was wow. very very weird. But we didn't even. No, well, you were ahead of me. Yeah, passing cross. Yeah, no. Very strange. There we go. So yeah, and here we are. And that's where you decided. Because actually, really, I remember, um, and I don't know, you might remember my deputy head teacher at the time in Wales at Elvid High Schools, Paul Williams, and every week in briefing, or every we had briefing every day, he put up an Impact Wales infographic, he was a huge, huge fan. And there was nothing like that, really. Well, there might have been, but I wasn't aware of it in Wales in terms of promoting evidence-based practice and CPD. So is that what it is that you saw? I don't want to say a gap in the market, <laughs> but did you think that there was something missing that you yeah, could help with? It was a it was a, a story there because we set up uh, Impact Wales because we were on the uh, Welsh Government contract together and the contract came to an end a, a year and a month earlier than we were expecting, you know, so that we didn't get our two-year redundancy. So we, we did a, a year and 11 months of that. And we were both there thinking, well, what are we going to do? And we set up the business together. And then it was a case of, um, I didn't know how Twitter worked, but I knew that it was big for teachers. So I went, right, I really ought to teach myself. So went on there and recognised that teaching uh, or accounts that had photographs with them or pictures with them just did really so much better. And I saw that there was a teacher, um, an educator in Canada, Canada called Sylvia Duckworth, who did, does sketch notes. And 
I really like them and, and I haven't seen a lot of her recently, but you know, I think she's gone off to do other things, but um, she very kindly had shared on the internet uh, a beginner's guide to sketchnoting. So I like a good student went away and I, I learned how to do it. And initially we did it all about curriculum for Wales because there's so much, you know, government guidance about curriculum for Wales and, you know, pages and pages and pages of it and teachers are busy people and they need summaries. They need, you know, um, um, a kind of a, a synthesis of what it means in a nutshell so that they can start that conversation and then find out further information um, later. So that's what the, the sketch notes were about. And they then transformed into um, turning evidence, you know, research. Some, they became research. Summaries. No, they, they yeah. started off with government guidance, but they've kind of morphed into research summaries as well. So that's mm -hmm. where that came from. And they seem to work quite well. <laughs> so that's yeah. good. But they have yeah. evolved quite a lot. And I, you know, I'm jumping into this, this conversation and Finn is the one that does all the sketch noting. I've, I've put my hands up. You know, I think I did one sketch note you course did. with you, didn't you? One early yeah. one morning breakfast breakfast course, which there didn't, it's no. not me. No. But, but it, you know, we've got to have different skills and yeah. we can't both be doing the same thing. So yeah, they work quite well. Yeah, well, and that's why you've, as I said, branched out beyond Wales because the evidence-informed sketch notes and, and you, your own podcast and all the content that you create is, is applicable to everyone um, outside of Wales. Well, so, I think it even got to the point last year where you did a, um, a keynote at a, at Paris, a university in Paris. Yeah, I, was very I, went to, I was invited to a research symposium yeah. all about uh, visuals and using drawing and um, you know, graphics as part of the learning process. So that was fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, I got to spend some time in Paris, which was nice. Oh, yeah, nice. Very nice. So, well, but you're based in Wales, are you then, I take it? We are, yeah. yeah. We're in Caerphilly this morning. Yeah, but we do go all, and, you know, work all over, which is yeah great. Yeah, well, I, I want to ask you about this because you've said, um, and I think you're absolutely right, there's so much government documentation and there's a lot to get your head around. So your summaries are really helpful. I share them a lot with schools and stuff. But the evidence-based and evidence-informed practice, where does that come from? That Why do you feel so passionate about sharing that? And that seems something that you're really good at, at helping schools trying to understand and apply the research. So what motivates you to promote this evidence-informed culture? A really good question. <laughs> shall I, shall I tell that one? Okay, okay. So I think there's two things going on there. There's the 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 one thing is that having both both of us having been teachers, we know what it's like being in the classroom. You know that um, teachers are in it to make a difference. They're in it to make a difference to children's lives, to do the best that they possibly can for children's lives. But um, teachers are super super busy. I mean, I can. I, as a former English teacher, I had, you know, A-level classes, um, GCSE classes. It's an enormous workload and you, you never feel like you're done. So it, anything that can make things more um, simpler, more approachable, more understandable works. So that's the kind of um, the rationale for putting it into a sketchnote form. But the reason that we feel that evidence-based um teaching is so important is well why wouldn't you it's like you know if there's something out there that says this has a really good chance of working somewhere 
why why wouldn't you want to know about that you know it, it kind of is and I see that it's a really important question but it's kind of almost a non-question it's like you know if you're if you're baking a cake why wouldn't you use a recipe the first time you do it you know obviously that recipe you're going to change and adapt it for your cooker and your oven and all that kind of business and it's the same with evidence-based teaching is that you know you need to understand what has the best chance of working but then you need to give it the best chance of working in your classroom so there's there's a there's a kind of translation process that needs to happen and I think that that's one of the things that I that I know that a lot of teachers struggle with because if you're reading I mean we read research journals a lot but it's not an easy thing to do and I, I mean I'm going back to when I did my degree and reading research journals and understanding methodology I mean I did psychology at university and I did English as well at university and just understanding what the difference is a semi-structured interview and what the difference is with a randomized control test and you know whether you can rely on um, the results that come through or whether they're you know as robust as they're saying in the article whether there's any bias going on in the paper it's, it's really really tough it's a mindful out there so anything that we as impact whales can do to make that more straightforward to teachers to give them that starting point we're absolutely going to do it it's also that element that as when you've taught in the classroom for so many years that you know you look at your own pedagogy and, and looking at things that you've done in the classroom and you know you do things that that work but the research is actually that element that tells you it wasn't until we started mm -hmm. looking into particularly in things like retrieval practice and the science of learning there's things that you do in your teaching practice that you know worked but it's knowing why they worked as well I think is really important and then we've had quite a lot of um, moments where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's why, and, it, and it's that that reason why you know you'll do things with pupils like you know the, like the starters at the beginning, you know yeah. things from last last week, last month, last term. And it, we we've been doing those for for a long long time, and it's knowing why those things work, and under the under which conditions are, are the best things to do. Well, this is important. Enabling teachers to make well-informed yeah. decisions because yeah. teachers, they're the ones who are standing in front of their class in a really, you know, it's a hot environment. Things happen in, in the split second. If they can have the information they need to make the best decision they can in that moment, that, that's what we're all about. Yeah, and everything you've said, I'm just nodding my head. And obviously, I work at evidence-based education and we're, we're all on the same page. But I know um, what it's like to be an individual teacher who's evidence-based, but not working in a school where that's the, the norm and that's the culture. And I also know what it's like to work at a school where the senior leadership team are trying to promote that culture and there's just pockets of it. And it's mm. not quite embedded all the way throughout. And I think that's probably one of the challenges um, that, that schools face is, is having an evidence-informed, evidence-based culture across the whole school. For schools who are quite new to their journey in, in this, um, in approaching evidence, do you have any advice for them? Or perhaps that they, you, your resources can help them. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> Well, do you know, I think there's there's some basic ideas that um, every school should consider um, when they're thinking about how can we do the best for our children, and that's what it all it's all about. And whilst you know, I mean, the the idea of 
being a solo evidence-informed teacher in a school where it's not quite happening. I mean, that is a really, really difficult position in the same way, you know, having pockets is also a really difficult position. But I think the bottom line with that is it's it's down to the culture of the school. It's down to the leadership and creating that culture. So there are, there are limits to what just bringing evidence in will, will do for that because it's more about relationships and leadership and, you know, management and that. Mm. But if... I mean, one of the key questions that we talk about with schools all of the time, and I think it's really fascinating when you ask teachers this question, because this is, you know, this is what teachers do, is how does learning happen? You know, asking that question, how is how does learning happen? And you'll get answers like, or through repetition, or, you know, um, through active experiences, or when they're enjoying it, or, you know, but when you think about, well, what is actually happening in people's brains when they learn, because it's all about that. Understanding why you do what you do means that you're more efficient at making the right choices. And I think that that is the bottom line, that, that it's all about understanding the learning process and how it works and then adapting what you do in the classroom to make the best of that process and I think that's that's really important at the moment particularly here in Wales when we're looking at implementing a new curriculum framework Mm. and that whole idea of curriculum design you know designing your school curriculum should take into account the whole science of learning about how you're going to sequence uh, the learning that pupils are going to to do and to make sure you've got that that coherence right the way across um, from foundation phase nursery right the way through to you know the a level. level right the way through yeah so it is important but I think just going back to one thing you, you were talking about about research as well it's about schools that are looking at research we very often find schools are, are looking at things that aren't necessarily directed directly related to the needs of their pupils and I think if we're talking about trying to develop a research informed culture within a school it's about identifying what are the needs of our pupils what research is there that's going to enable us to make a difference for the pupils that we've got so it's making sure that what you're looking at is actually going to be related to I'm sorry I'm going to jump in there (laughs) you probably asked this question you can say oh my gosh they're going on a bit but, um, but I think I was just thinking about, you know, if you're a school and you want to be research informed, you're looking at research and there's so much out there. It is really difficult to say, well, where are we going to start? What is it we're going to look at? What's the, the most important thing? And I know evidence based education have got this. Uh, they've got the great teaching toolkit, which is a really fantastic place to start. But I think the bottom line is, um, you know, if you're new to this and you don't know um, what you want to start with you know what the needs of your learners are is go to a reputable source you know don't expect your staff to go to straight to journals if they haven't got any experience of reading journals and and you know maybe don't even start with the latest research because the latest research is, is built on the foundations of seminal um, robust, reliable research that's been around for years that are the foundations. Oh, sorry, that's our phone. Right, I'm just going to have to go. Don't worry, these things happen. Our phone just rang, but going back to what we were saying about going to a reputable source is starting with um, something that you know is a designed for teachers 
B has done the job of trawling through the work for you and is that starting point. It's not, you know, you shouldn't be looking for someone that says, we're going to do this for you. Oh, you don't need to read the research. We've done it for you. You don't want that. What you want is just that stepping stone, that synthesis, that kind of um, that that bridge between teachers in the classroom and the research. And I think that finding that repertoire, there's lots of that, as I said, the great teaching toolkit, Impact Plus, we've got a digital platform on our website that has lots of um, research summaries that cite the research that goes with it. So it's that starting point, but also there's um, the Sutton Trust Toolkit uh, evidence um, in uh, the Education Endowment Foundation. There's also in Wales, particularly, you can go to the EWC where they've got a, um, a resource bank. And I know that they do have some research summaries on there as well. But, you know, and things like um, in the Welsh Government um, documentation, there are always footnotes with um, particular research um, cited in there as well. I mean, Dylan William is cited in there, his formative assessment. So, you know, there are places to go, but that's that would be a really good place to start the schools. Yeah, and I agree with you. I love research summaries and, and your work and the model for great teaching because actually they can condense it to the headlines, to the key points. And as, yeah, like you said, being a teacher, you are spinning a lot of plates. <laughs> and when you plan to read research, sometimes you can if schools provide the time. But if not, it gets pushed to the bottom of the pile because you've got deadlines, reports and so on. So yeah, lots of empathy with the challenges. But it, of course, is worth it. Um, now, something you've already touched upon, and this is something I'm really interested in, but I'm not nowhere near as knowledgeable about you about it as you two, is a curriculum for Wales. So, and I think it's also interesting for our listeners outside of Wales to be aware of this, um, just because for well, various reasons. When I was writing my book, The Teaching Life, with Robin McPherson, Robin's from Scotland and I'm from Wales, and we noticed lots of the educational books are about Ofsted. Well, we don't have Ofsted in Wales and Scotland. So we think that there should be a wider understanding of, of what's happening all across the UK. So just sort of um, initially, what are your thoughts on this, this new curriculum for Wales that's currently just been rolled out, hasn't it? Yeah. So a really, really potted history for those people who aren't in Wales and, and don't know uh, what's happened here. Um, curriculum for Excellence was a um, was the curriculum that was designed for Scotland by Professor Graham Donson. And Curriculum for Wales is based on the same blueprint. Professor Graham Donson worked in Wales. It's six areas of learning and experience. It's grouping together, you know, um, history, geography and RE all together in, in humanities and so on. Uh, we've got cross-curricular skills that have to be taught across all curriculum areas like uh, literacy, numeracy, digital competence. That's been around a little bit longer than uh, Curriculum for Wales. But the, the principle that Curriculum for Wales is built upon and what makes it significantly different from what happens in England is this term subsidiarity which means that um, the, uh, I'll have to think about the words when I say this now, is the power for making decisions needs to be as close to the action as possible, which basically means if a teacher can make decisions about what they teach and how they teach, they are best placed to make that. But obviously there are some decisions like what should be 
um, the content in, say, you know, what books the school should read that might have to sit at a slightly higher level. But the, the actual curriculum um, that you see on the Welsh Government um, website on Hub, that isn't actually a, a curriculum. That's what's called a curriculum framework. So that's kind of the very much the bare bones. There's no authors that I mentioned there. There's no periods of history. Um, there's no localities or very limited. There's, there's very limited knowledge in there. And it's up to schools to decide then the authors, the knowledge, the areas, the, you know, the, the, the content that they feel is most appropriate for their learners. So we will end up with in Wales, we've got 1,473 schools at last count. So we will end up with 1,473 versions of their own school's local curriculum. So that's your potted history. <laughs> oh, that was very helpful. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And it is really interesting to, to speak with schools and the things that you've said about teachers making their own decisions. And um, I'm right that it's been staggered over time, hasn't it? So in terms of secondary, yeah. it's starting in year seven now. and We've got half the schools, half the secondary schools in Wales are starting with year seven. The rest, the other half, are starting with seven and eight next September. That was a, a, a kind of dispensation yeah. for COVID. If they weren't ready, they could right. delay it by a yeah. year. And as Jane said, about 50% of schools decided to delay it a year. Up to, up to year seven is all they've, they've started. Yeah. So I um, think you might be able to help me with this because I've been a bit confused myself. I work with some schools um, in Wales where they asked me to help them with retrieval practice. And I work with schools in England and the schools in England, it's mentioned retrieval practice in the Ofsted guidance report and it's part of the early careers framework and so on. As far as I'm aware, retrieval practice isn't mentioned in Welsh documentation, but schools are doing it for more of a, a grassroots approach because they know it's an effective strategy. So is that they've got the flexibility to, to use the strategies or is that something you're still trying to uh, promote and encourage more? We're, we're smiling here now because those people who can't see us because that, that's a far more difficult question to answer than... Sorry, yeah, it is. <laughs> is that... In Wales, we have what's called the 12 pedagogical principles. And they are Professor Grom, uh, Dale, I can't speak. Professor Graham Donaldson set out in Successful Futures, the report that, that was the kind of precursor to curriculum for Wales documentation. Um, the principles for pedagogy that underpinned curriculum for Wales. And these pedagogical principles, I mean, you know, they're, they're the standard things like um, assessment for learning and collaboration and uh, interdisciplinary learning, you know, but none of them actually mention the science of learning. Right. But they are not, uh, the principles of progression, uh, sorry, the principles of uh, pedagogical principles are not mandatory. They're not, they don't have to be done, unlike the principles of progression, but that's something different. And this is, this is the kind of, the, both the uh, benefit but also the um, risk of um, curriculum for Wales in that it can be all things to all people and this is this is what's happened in Scotland as well there is no expectation that you must do it a particular way that you must use direct instruction or you must use inquiry learning you can do either or or both or neither it's entirely up to the school to decide that so there are some schools 
who have uh, been sensible and thought, well, what works? What do we know works somewhere? Let's try that first. So they're doing retrieval practice. There are other schools who don't know about that because it's not in any of the guidance and they might not be on Twitter and they might not have discovered that for themselves and they're not doing it. And we know that, for example, there's this whole conversation about reading. Uh, Rob Randall, you might know him on um, Twitter. He's um, a real advocate for evidence-based reading instruction, early reading instruction. And there's a lot of evidence out there about um, systematic synthetic phonics and that being the most effective way to teach reading. We can see from evidence that, in fact, it does work. And, you know, we can see the results of that in England, but also in schools that do it. And there are schools in Wales that do it. But in the Welsh government guidance, they don't support that way of doing things. So there's, there's, whilst we have a government in Wales that are committed to being a researched informed approach to policy, as well as to approaches in the classroom, um, I think we're probably still quite a long way off from actually having that in practice. And that's quite a, um, yeah, yeah and that's also quite um, a revolutionary thing to say in Wales that we're not where we need to be, but we're not where we need to be. And we don't have the science of learning in curriculum for Wales. It's really up to the schools to discover it. And it shouldn't be that way because we know that there are lots of things um, in education that are the best bets. And there are lots and lots of schools and teachers out there who have no idea about that thing. And that, to a certain extent, I would go so far as to say that's criminal, that they aren't being given the information that they can then make a choice about. Well, that is why it's so important that you are sharing that. Um, and I delivered a webinar for evidence-based education with the Curriculum for Wales. But basically, the main message was this is evidence-based teaching and learning, and it's relevant for any curriculum yeah, yeah. around the world yeah. so it's great because I know obviously uh, I, I can't pronounce the word is it Kidnevin? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know my Welsh is a bit rusty there where there's a very unique element of the Welsh curriculum which is about Welsh you know, culture context and so on and all these things you've said but but they can absolutely work alongside yeah. these evidence-based yeah. practices, can't they? So well, teaching is teaching. It doesn't really matter what you're teaching or what you're learning, you do it in this in the same way. And it, I think it's really interesting when you see in government guidance or in policy documents, you know, that um, the way you teach will depend on the how learners learn. It's kind of well, no, we all learn the same way, we all got the same brains. Yeah. I mean, there will be some children will be better at metacognition, better at regulating their own learning. But actually, the process yeah. is, is pretty much the same for everyone, even those who have you know problems with working memory. It just means that they're going to struggle more at the beginning stages, but they still need the same kind of approaches, the same kind of strategies evidence-informed strategies. Well, it's, it's even to the point where we use those strategies and those principles in our professional learning with teachers. Yeah. And that, we've made that really clear that, that that's what we do and that's yeah. that's why we do I, it. I know such there was a, a thread on Twitter at the, at the weekend about uh, professional learning and using evidence-based um, uh, approaches in professional learning. And I know I've, I've been to INSET and I've been to um, conferences where it's a lecture and, you know, the, the presenter stands at the front with three or four paragraphs on their slide and then proceeds to read it to you. And you're like, yeah. oh, don't, don't do that. You know, adults are learners, too. And we, we all need 
um, an approach to um, learning, an approach to teaching that actually mimics and supports the way the human brain works. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. And I was um, a little bit conflicted because I was doing a presentation and I wanted to have minimal text. But then people often ask for the slides afterwards. <laughs> and when you've just got a, a heading and a picture, it's not that helpful. But at the same time, I know about cognitive load theory and the redundancy. Well, well you see, and you know, I mean, Ollie Cab does this particularly well, but there are lots of other, I mean, there's this whole one page summaries that do this particularly yeah. well. It's like, uh, when we did a we did a research ed up in Warrington, and we actually had QR codes, so we could you know QR codes on on particular slides. So it's like we're not going to show you this whole thing, but click on the QR code, and then you've got yeah. it, and then we can just do our, our talking. But you can you know download the resource that goes with this and look at it in more detail later. And I think that's that's the approach, isn't it? When you're in the moment, you need to understand the concept, and you need to do that in a way where there's not lots of text and you're not overloading people cognitively and you know then they can go away and read more about it later yeah well that's essentially the modeling isn't it leading by example and you can't deliver we practice yet. what we preach we yeah examples within our sessions as we well do, yeah, yeah. we do that's it well you're you are available to help schools with the implementation for curriculum for wales um we are <laughs> <laughs> We are, but not right now. Okay, <laughs> you're very busy. <laughs> we, we are, we are, yeah. I mean, it's we've actually got bookings right through until September of 2023, so which is oh, a, wow. lovely, a lovely position to be in, but we wouldn't discourage anyone from contacting us, just be aware that, like, that well, if you're interested, you know, it's like, it might be a little bit. We also work with a number of schools up in Scotland mm. oh, wow. uh, on, on a very, very similar process. Yeah. Well, it is science of learning, but there was also we're now looking at curriculum vision, curriculum design yeah. as part of that. So it sort of mirrors what we're doing with Wales, but obviously with the, with the Scottish curriculum for excellence in mind rather than mm. uh, curriculum for Wales. But we've also done curriculum stuff in English as well, you know, because yeah. teaching and learning is yeah. teaching and learning. So absolutely. And all your resources on the curriculum for Wales are there online that I do encourage yeah. people to check them out but you've just uh, prompted me when you said you've been working with people in Scotland because <laughs> there's someone in particular that you're working with um, and that's Bruce Robertson um, yeah. and you've got uh, a book so well I think I said to you I, I think I know where this collaboration came from because Bruce he posts pictures of his school he's a rector head teacher in Scotland he's author of Power Up Your Pedagogy trilogy and and he's all he's huge fans of your work he has walls and boards with your graphics on and your blogs and podcasts and so on so is that just how it came about that you two were in touch via Twitter and then now yeah, you do I think you just emailed us one day and said look I've got this idea what do you think and we went oh yeah okay then <laughs> that sounds good because um obviously as you mentioned he's got um the teaching delusion trilogy and he was looking particularly at the the third of his books um, which is uh, subtitled power up your pedagogy and he wanted to turn um some of the the text there into um our visuals and that, that made absolute sense to us but it wasn't until we really read his book that we recognized that you know how amazing his writing is and one of the things that um one of the ways that I would describe it is is really spare it's quite succinct it's um it, the point. It, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's so um clear 
And I yeah. think it's really amazing that there is this single book that, I mean, that, uh, Bruce has actually gone back to his book and he's, he's changed some of the um, presentation. He's added some ex extra bits in, you know, like reflective tasks and um, how to use a little bit like a book club, you know, how to use this book to make a difference in your school with all of your staff and a step-by-step -step worked example, you know, because he yeah. practices what he preaches as well. And he's very, very clear that if you're a senior leader in a school and if you want to improve teaching and learning in your school and you want to improve the experience for children, then it has to be through this very structured, um, you know, clear step-by-step um, -step approach to actually support your staff to improve. And as a result, you need to know what good teaching and learning actually does look like and then be able to model it and use worked examples and have this very structured approach. So this is what our um, collaboration with Bruce is all about, is turning his really quite amazing writing into this very straightforward, step-by-step, -step, single book that I think you could quite, you could... <laughs> And no offense, because I know you've written books and they're really, really. <laughs> no, don't worry. We are going to say that if you, if you could only have one book, it's all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and it's, it's not going to be a particularly big book. It is going to be, it's going to be really useful for those people who are either new to evidence-informed teaching or maybe they're new to teaching, and also senior leaders who are thinking about how can I improve the quality of what's going on in a school. It's, it's kind of like. A handbook. Yeah. What it's called? The illustrated oh, handbook. What it's called? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the illustrated handbook of teaching power. Yeah. 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 And we are hoping that it's it's going to come out um, soon. Um, you know, sometime around about Christmas, maybe before or after. We're not quite sure yet, but yeah, soon. Well, no, I totally agree about you having everything in one place. And I've just been honing in on retrieval practice and I've gone down rabbit holes and all that research. And it wouldn't be practical for a teacher to read all that amount of research I have about retrieval practice, because then you've got all these other things to do. Um, yeah. And that's what I do. I wrote the forward to Booth's second book. And uh, I did say, you know, it's almost blunt, but in a great way. <laughs> that, yeah. Get yeah, well, you, you need that sometimes. You, you just need the blunts. No, no, we're, we're very. We don't like extra frills and faff, you know. And but there's still there's still room. to you've got your your starting point, and this is what it is. It's your starting point to really hone your skills, and then you have the option to go on further and to look more more deeply at some of these things. But I think it's going to be a very very powerful book to actually change what happens in classrooms more widely and I think that's what we want you know we're we're all about changing the world <laughs> I yeah. think Bruce absolutely is about yeah changing the world as well and you know making things better for the children of the UK not just Wales and I'm a little bit biased because I'm a teacher author but this is what I think about you and Bruce and all the other teacher authors is yes we do need to hear from lots of voices in education but unless you have been there and you've done the teaching and learning you've been in the classroom that brings with it, um, you know, about the application uh, of the evidence and, and the challenges that you could face in a classroom. Well, you've got that history of knowing when it goes wrong, how badly it could go wrong. Because yeah. you all, all, you know, we all put our hands up, we all think, oh, I used to do this, and I, I don't know why I used yeah. to do it that way. And, and it's having that, that depth of knowledge of, yes, I know when it works, and yes, 
I know when it doesn't work think, and how people react to that. I think also as well that, I mean, I can remember, you know, as a teacher going on inset and being entertained on inset yeah. and thinking, oh, that was really good. And then you know, get back to your classroom and, you know, Johnny's kicking off and there's a wasp in the room and it's, you know, oh my God, we've got a power cut now. You know, there's all this other stuff going on and that whatever you do has got to be practical. And I think that that's, it's got to make sense and it's got to be in a format that teachers can actually manage because workload is an issue. Yeah. You know, it does, that's not going away anytime soon. So it might be fantastic to say, right, we're going to be evidence formed and we're going to do this, 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 and this. But actually most teachers only have the bandwidth to do one thing at a time, yeah. but they also need um, lots of support to do that one thing and to get better at that one thing. It's not like, oh, we, we've done Rose yeah. and Shine. Now we can move on. You know, that's the problem in education, isn't it? It's always moving on to the next thing. And, you know, next term we're looking at this and next term we're looking at that. But it's giving things time to embed and not just time to embed over a term. Sometimes it needs two, three years, if not longer, to embed and not move on to something different. Let's, you know, let's get the quality of what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's not about the number of things that we're actually going to cover. And there's a lot of work out there at the moment about behavioural psychology and, and what it means for professional learning and how behavioural psychology has a, an impact on the way in which we present new learning for teachers and how we can make sure that that new learning isn't just something they do for that week and then never again or something they try and doesn't work and then they don't try it again. I mean, Harry Fletcher Wood, Pat's McCrea, there's, there's lots of people out there who are working hard in this area and it's really beginning to make a difference I mean one of the things that we do when we're um, supporting um, schools is we say look this is not going to just wash over you this is actually you've come to this lesson I'm using air quotes there people can't see us that you've come to learn and that means that you have to be active you have to be thinking you have to be generating something generative learning now that's part of the process so I think that you know it's, well, it's, it's just recognizing it's that. the difference between professional learning isn't yeah. it, and professional development, development. development. Yeah. something else <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right I've been teaching since 2010 and I could still improve my questioning it's still an area for development yeah. but you know, there's nothing wrong with having that that ongoing target and reflection because it doesn't happen overnight. But I think, yeah, as I've been saying all the way throughout, the stuff that the content that you're sharing and your passion, you know, and, and same, I, we, 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 I'm from Wales, I've got this passion as well. We want to see this in our schools, don't we? Because ultimately we want the children to just be successful. Yeah, yeah. I think that's anyone who's anyone who goes into teaching. That's just what they want, isn't it? Yeah, they want, you know, they want adults who are able to have a happy, competent, yeah. confident life. Right. Well, it sounds like you're really busy then. So you're working. You've got your book coming out with Bruce Robertson, and then um, you're busy working with schools. But even though you're so very busy, thank you so much for taking the time. All of us at Evidence Based Education, we're big fans of your work and um it's been a pleasure to talk to you both well it's been a fascinating discussion thanks very much kate thank you